Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Dunks. Hello. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about cinema's greatest classic, 10,000 BC. <laughs> but first, Dunkers. Yes. How was Toronto? Toronto was good. I got sunburnt. For those who don't know, it's like 30 plus degrees in Ontario these days. Just the entire east of, of Amer- North America is like on fire. Yeah, which is usually quite the opposite. And we're not built for this. We're Canadian. We like to, uh, we, we stay warm fairly easy in the winter. And so this is a bit, a bit too much. We're having to shave our polar bear coats and everything. So <laughs> it's a bit hard, you know. <laughs> Gotta spray down the moose every once in a while. and At least you're losing lots of weight by sweating all the time. This is true. This is true. All of my water weight is just gone. It's, it's hot. Is it hot for you? It was hot here for like most of June and parts of July, but it's cooled down a little bit now. Well, isn't that nice for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're just melting over here. But no, it's good. There's cool things to see in Toronto, actually. Um, this is a fun little tidbit. Um, the Pan Am Games were going on. Is that why you went? No, I went to go visit my friend who's living there for the summer and that sort of thing. We didn't go to any of the Pan Am Games because we didn't, you know, have time to fit it into our schedule. But it was kind of cool to see the town with all of the different, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of tourists. I think there was less English-speaking people there than people who spoke English, which was kind of fun. And uh, wandering around on Sunday was when the closing ceremonies were, so a lot of the athletes were wandering around and stuff. Went to the CBC studios and got to see them do a live broadcast of the uh, of the games, which was, like, pretty neat, so... That's cool. Mm-hmm. You learned lots. This is true. Everyone needs a vacation every once in a while as well, so... Care. Care. <laughs> a vacation to go learn about what you do is not a vacation. <laughs> it was good, though. <laughs> it was good. Oh, man. What was the episode of TV that you watched? Oh, uh, yes. The one thing that I watched in the last two weeks. So, it's a show on Netflix. I think it's a Netflix original. And I watched the first episode of Bloodline. Oh, okay. Yes, with Kyle Chandler, the uh, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. And Ben Mendelsohn. Yes, yes, indeed. So it was kind of an interesting show. At first I was just watching it and I kind of thought it was about, you know, not a dysfunctional family, kind of just a fairly normal family. They're all getting together for a family reunion in the first episode. And then there's this one brother that you can kind of tell is the the problem brother. And he's the oldest brother. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, and he's kind of just a bit of a screw-up. And um, so you think it's related to that. But then the show kind of takes a turn in the first episode and you're like, oh. And by the end of it, you're kind of like, wow, that was was a nice slow burn. But it makes you intrigued about the rest of the season. So who knows? Maybe I'll keep up with that one. I think think that I might. Well, it's all on Netflix, so it's easy for you. You can watch it all in one day that you have off. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem like the show that you could marathon very easily. Is it? I've heard it's like very slow paced. It's a slow burn. Incredibly so. Like the whole first episode... I was like, oh, this is interesting, uh, like maybe it'll go somewhere. And then at the end, you're kind of like, oh, okay, well now I have to know more. So <laughs> it's uh, it definitely... I heard it does pay off at the at the end of the uh, show, though. Yeah, so. I, I believe that. It seems like one that would. It, it uh, kind of jumps back and forth in time, so I can see how at the end of the season, or I don't know, yeah, likely at the end of the season, um, when all the pieces connect together and the, the present time stream connects with the what's happening in the past and whatnot, when that all connects together, I feel like it would definitely be very interesting to see how it worked. And it's a, got a season two coming already, so Netflix is continuing its assault on just taking up all of your time for TV shows. <sighs> it's, it's a problem. <laughs> it's like, you're right, that is like the things I do on my one day off. Netflix. And drink wine. 
And drink wine. Sometimes you need a glass of wine. So, <laughs> <laughs> Some days more than others. <laughs> so you are going to continue watching Bloodline? I think that I will. I just really like Kyle Chandler. I find him like strangely attractive for like... He's got that gray hair. And he also, the way he does things with his eyebrows, he just has that face. It's like a weird smolder old man thing, but I'm okay with it. Oh, well, I forgot to talk about something last time. Oh, no. <laughs> this, I know. This boat's great things. And then I was going to omit it because it's really not very worth a mention. But now I feel like since I just talked about how great Bloodline was, I watched Prom two weeks ago. I thought you talked about this. No, we talked about it off air. Oh, see, I didn't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's just as bad as it sounds. Actually, it has the daughter from Friday Night Lights in it. That I guess they're kind of related, but it's horrible. It's uh, It could be a Disney Channel movie, but not one of the good ones, because some of those ones are just so classic and you just love them, but this is not one of those. Watch that when getting drunk with friends. Was it fun to watch it? Well, I was alone, so like not really. Oh, Carolyn. I know, I know. My Netflix queue was just getting long, so I needed to take things off of it. I didn't put that on there for the record. About 20 people use my Netflix accounts. What? Stop giving charity to... I'm not. It's like I watch it at someone's house and then they're like, ooh, let's watch this next time. And then they press like, add to my list. And then it's just on there for months. And because you never watch anything ever. I just don't watch things like prom. <laughs> so is that all you're going to say about prom? Is that all it deserves? I, okay, okay. One more thing about prom. Just because it really kind of irked me. It feels like it's trying to be breakfast club-esque i really like the breakfast club and prom it's got like the guy has the same long hair as the guy in breakfast club and i don't think anyone has had that same haircut since the breakfast club because it's not very in style these days but anyways he's like the bad boy with the heart of gold and it's precious it's just a bad movie it's not good well maybe they were just trying to play on your breakfast club memories and think hope you would like the movie Mm, didn't work out so hot though. Though Breakfast Club, now I want to rewatch it. So I guess uh, it's on Netflix. This is also true. Netflix is just ugh, good, good time. I've also never seen The Breakfast Club. It's worth a watch, I would say, just just because it's a classic. Okay, well, if you are done talking about blood, I mean, blood, no, prom. I know they were thriller. Th wow, thrilling. I know they were thrilling, but uh, that that is all that I had. It was a slow week. <laughs> so. The only two things. I have to talk about is half of a TV show that I've mentioned before, and I finished a video game. The TV show that I want to talk about is Hannibal, and I know I bring this up all the time because it's Hannibal, but this season is split into two distinct parts. It's like three and then three and a half because the second half of the season is all about the Red Dragon, and the first half of the season was about what it was about, so I don't spoil it for Carolyn. But it finished it up, and holy crap. Is that show so damn good? It started a little bit slow this season, like super esoteric, and you're not really sure what's going on, if this is just like some weird in someone's mind shit or that stuff. But then it picks up around episode three and four, and then from like then to about seven or eight? Seven until seven. So like three to seven, it was like excellent tv and i was just like watching and i was like i can't handle what's happening right now it is too stressful and that is a show if you know you know if you watch it that they you don't really know what's going to happen they don't really care about going there they just go there and you're like oh 
He's the good main character. Nothing bad will happen to him. Oh, his head's getting cut open right now. This is a step I didn't expect it to happen. Yeah, that's something I've always found interesting about that show is the main character, well, there's several main characters, but Hannibal himself doesn't seem, like, he seems sometimes like a kind of decent dude. Like, he's not the worst of the worst dudes. You like Hannibal, but you know he's evil. Yeah, like, he's sitting there eating people, but he's charming as hell. So that's a bit alarming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the latest episode, since it started the Red Dragon arc, which is the main story of one of the books. Yeah. Trying not to spoil things, but there's these great scenes with people confronting Hannibal in his, like, mind palace, which is a running theme in the show, is, like, what happens when you everything is taken away from you. You have this thing in your head that you can go to. Right. And he has these conversations with people, like, that is taking place in, the re- in, like, the actual world, just not in that location, about, like... And they're not actually eating food, but they're eating the food. And they were like, he's like, they're asking him, he's like, what is it served as? And he says it as the animal. And they're like, that wasn't like that the last time. It wasn't Cal the last time you gave it to me. And he was like, no, he's having these great conversations. And they've done a really good job setting up the Red Dragon, considering the show has gone through like a lot of killers and murderers they've made up that are terrible. Like then you never really figure out their name. Right. But they've made the Red Dragon, like, it's the first scene you see what the Red Dragon does. It just, like, distinguishes him so well. The first murder scene that they visit with the Red Dragon. You're like, oh, I can, like, th- this guy's so different. He's a bad dude. <laughs> they do a good job. And it's so pretty. And I'm just, it's making me so sad because it's going to end. But I hope, like, they'll give some closure in some way. I don't, actually, I don't, I don't want them to give closure because it wasn't finished. So I just hope it ends well, well, like, they have to give the Red Dragon closure, but, like, I don't really, I don't know if I need the Will Hannibal closure yet, mm-hmm. but I do know that it will probably end in some bloody bloodbath with lots of people getting stabbed and cut open in some form of way, <laughs> so that shall be exciting and my stressful for my poor heart. Yeah, I feel like there's nothing worse than shows that get ended early and then they just, like, cut it off, you know, like... You don't necessarily want a neat and tidy wrap-up either because there are certain shows that know they're getting canceled and then so they, they make everything into a nice tidy box and you don't necessarily want that, especially not with a show about a serial killer. But sometimes when they just, like... You can tell when shows got a two-episode warning because then they're like, oh, shit, and then it just ends and, like, everyone dies or something like that, you know? And, like, TV is really different now is that the shows kind of know that they're not going to go for ten seasons. They're going to go for, like, four or five. Yeah. Maybe they could stretch it out to a sixth. And, like, most of those shows get to do their, their runtime. It's just that Hannibal is on NBC, and NBC, it wasn't getting its ratings. So yep. if this show was on, like, AMC or Stars, they could go for as long as they wanted. But since it's on NBC, they need to meet certain rating goals, and not everything can be lost. So Well, and I think it's the type of show that a lot of people stream online later and that kind of thing. Also, it's really weird and kind yeah. of artsy. So it's not for a lot of people, it's for weirdos like myself and it's not for the nbc crowd no because they're all it's a network but like i don't know they they had community but then they got rid of community that's the problem because community was another one that too many people watched online because it didn't have the ratings again so i think NBC. they had parks and rec that's true i feel like parks and rec is like community but slightly more approachable from like an adult standpoint whereas community it was kind of strange, kind of quirky at points. Definitely more aimed towards the college students, you know? But it's, yeah, it's made for people our age, and people our age don't watch cable. Exactly. So, 
But that's really all I wanted to say about Hannibal is that they've wrapped up the first half storyline and it was excellent. And then they're moving into this other storyline and I'm really excited. And it just, it's one of the few shows that I'm watching weekly. Like most times I will miss not like, or like with a Netflix, if it's on Netflix, then it's more than one at a time, but I'm watching it as it airs, which is rare for me (laughs) along with true detective, but I won't talk about that till the season's over. True. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about briefly is, I know I mentioned this, I think on the first one, is that I was playing a video game called The Witcher 3, and I finally beat the story. Oh. It's a long game. It took me a long time, and it was overwhelming, because there was so much things to do, but as I was like, I got the bad ending in the story, and the game didn't warn you that you don't know what your choices are going to play, how they're going to play out. Like, I, I knew in some way it was going to affect things, what I was saying in conversations and the actions I was taking. But I didn't think I was doing the wrong thing. Like, it wasn't clear to me. I was just making the choice. And it it did warn me that, like, once you go into this phase of the game, like, you can't go back. You'll be entering the end game. So I was like, oh, I'm doing great. I've done everything so well. Like, like I've resolved (laughs) most things good, I think. But then as I was going through it, and I've looked up since to, like, see the other endings. Because I was like, that was, like, the ending was, I don't know if I should spoil it because it's still a new game. I won't. The ending, my ending was sad because it was the bad one, obviously. And I was like, that's a weird ending for the game. And I don't feel satisfied. Yeah. So I want to know like, if I missed something or I made a mistake somewhere. And I looked up online and there's two other ones I could have gotten. And no, it just turned out my choices in these like very distinct conversations with this one character or my actions re- affected this one character in such a way that she failed at her test because of what I did. And then I was thinking about it, it was like, I, like if I failed the, another game like this... And I got the bad ending. I would just like roll back a save and just replay it and get the good ending because, or I would have known before, like my, the choice I was making was the bad choice. And I was just doing it because I knew this was going to turn out to the bad ending. So it's really something I haven't experienced with a video game. Right. And the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I like, I'm not going to roll back a save at a point. Like that's what happened when I played it that time. So I've like felt unsatisfied with the game but as i learned about it i was i was just unsatisfied with my choices as the player and the make i was making my guy do even though i thought i was doing things the right they were the wrong thing to do there was like the wrong thing to say to that person in the time i just thought that was the way i was playing the character and i was like everything's turning out great and then it it turned out real bad for her and my own character well that's kind of interesting though that like that they're not the obviously wrong choices or the choices that will take you down a certain path you just kind of you were just playing the game the way you would play it, and the way I would play it would be different. The way someone else would play it would be a different way again. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I can like it. It must have taken a ton of work, and I like I really enjoyed it. But like I have this when I play any video game, I think like most people, I always choose like the ultimate good way to do it because I want the best ending. Yeah. And I thought I was doing that in this game. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it's such shades of gray that I didn't. I didn't know. I was just like everything else seemed to be going okay and like I didn't know the differences what would happen if I did that or this I figured they'd be same but I am gonna go back to about like the halfway point because you have to pick to like (laughs) stay with one of these two characters like the one you're interested in like your love interest from the first from previous games or in other lore and you have to choose between them and I ended up choosing one and like as I was playing through the second half of the game because you have to make that choice at the halfway point yeah when you haven't really met one of them that well I chose that one and then I turned out I just disliked her so much <laughs> and I was like constantly thinking it was I just want to be with the other one why am I doing this <laughs> that's like real life man it's real life so I am going to go back and play it and then I know what to do to get the better ending because I want to see them but it was just interesting that I ended up feeling unsatisfied with the game and it turned out 
as I thought about it, that I was unsatisfied with my own choices. So, in short, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> so, overall, good game? It's a great game. Yeah. It's one of the best I've ever played. I played it for like two months right. uh, straight. Like, it's the only thing I've really been playing story-wise. Like, I'll pick up the occasional one that I can play while listening to a podcast or listening to music or something. But this is the one where I'll just sit down on like a Saturday or Sunday and play for eight to 12 hours straight. Oh my goodness. With pee breaks. It's really fun. <laughs> pee breaks and dinner breaks, man. Anyway, that's it for me. I don't know if you have a news story. I do. But if you do, what is it, Carolyn? Well, I guess it's more of a, a topic of conversation rather than... How much you love wine? Well, I mean, that that could be a topic of conversation as well. Oh, I was going to make a really, really terrible segue, but I won't say it. Um, <laughs> no, 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 say it. I'll just cut I it will just say... Amy came out recently, and then you can make the segue yourself. Oh, dunks. I know. I said I wasn't going to say it. But anyway, so Amy came out recently, which for those of you who don't know, is a documentary, well, I guess a biography about a documentary. Amy Winehouse. And um, so the article that I was reading talked about, it largely focused on Amy, but it also talked about how there was three other music documentaries that came out this year. And how in looking at all four of these documentaries, they kind of realize that they're taking on a bit of a different strain than they used to. So normally documentaries, people expect a lot of talking heads and that kind of thing. But with movies, particularly Amy, it was largely a story, the director's being quoted as saying, it's a story that he helped build, but it was really being told by Amy herself because it was clips of interviews and that kind of thing and less talking heads. It was less people talking about her and more her talking about herself and talking about her music and what it does for her and that kind of thing. So apparently it gives a whole bunch of extra, you know, insight into her life because it's one thing to have her mom sit there and be like, oh, music was her only outlet. She's so depressed, blah, blah, blah. But it's another thing for her to say in an interview, and, and she did in this movie, I feel really bad for people who don't have the musical outlet that I do because it's the only way I can deal with the emotions that I'm feeling. I don't think I knew I was depressed at the time. So it's very interesting that documentaries are taking on this this uh, kind of shape. And this documentary in particular, it was made by the same guy who made the documentary uh, Senna. About, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> uh, James and I watched Senna together. You remember I that. love Senna. It's so great. It's a great movie. I'm not a huge fan of, well... Speedy race cars? Yeah, I'm not, not a fan. I just could care less. But I found that movie, like, captivating. But I did find Senna captivating, and I think it was largely because it's a story told by Senna. It's not just the people talking about him. It's him talking about him, and it's told more like Rush, the movie with What's-His-Face came out at the same t around the same time. With Chris Hemsworth. It is a story. Like, it is other people are talking about Ayrton Senna and Amy. Yeah. But it's all, you never see that person. It's always talking over footage of them. Yeah. So that's this guy's style, and apparently he knows how to make a documentary, so. Yeah, he makes a mean documentary, apparently. But some of the other documentaries that came out this year, there was Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck, which is also getting um, very good. I've heard that's very good. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, as, like, as heartbreaking and everything as Amy is, Kurt Cobain's movie is essentially just, it's very manic and it's very alarming but also very interesting to kind of get that extra insight into, you know, this musician musician's life. And the other two documentaries they mentioned were a Frank Sinatra one called Sinatra. They're very uh, <laughs> they're very clever. Sinatra, Amy, like, mm, good job, guys. That was a HBO documentary. Yeah. The Sinatra one. 
And um, the last one was What Happened, Miss Simone, which is about Nina Simone. Another HBO one. Yep. So There has been like a run of these. Or no, is the is Nina Simone one Netflix maybe? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't recall seeing it on Netflix. And I mean, I, I scroll through Netflix like hourly. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of music documentaries coming out at like the same time, it seems. It's just, it's a weird thing. But they're all about, and apparently they're all amazing. So mm-hmm. you're getting spoiled for learning about these people. Like the only one we would really understand and know is Amy because we were around when she died but Sinatra and Nina Simone both died no Sinatra died before we were born I think Mm -hmm. and Nina Simone wasn't a big star by the time we were born and Kurt Cobain killed himself like shortly after we were born so I just find it really interesting because it is a very different way to tell a story and when you think documentary you think like they go out with the well, okay, I guess in my brain there's two types of documentaries. There's the one that's like, and back in Amy Winehouse's life, blah, 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 blah. And it's all very, you know, it's like writing an essay but putting it into a movie kind of thing. And then the other type would be, oh, we're going on tour with Amy Winehouse. Here's the backstage tour and her concert kind of thing. Yeah, that will cover up anything, you know, bad yeah. that happens because it's, it's like, paid for by the artist. Exactly. It's like a money-making documentary. But what I find interesting is this article I was reading, it was talking about the inspiration behind Frank Sinatra's movie, and he never wrote an autobiography, which is interesting because a lot of people do that these days, uh, similar to, you know, making their own documentary. And so they were like, <laughs> the movie was kind of like his his autobiography, and that's why they didn't want to have all of the talking heads and all of that. This article says Sinatra and Amy are like have very, very few people talking about them, like very few uh, of the talking heads, whereas the other ones have a bit more but what's interesting and what the inspiration was is that they were watching his um, final tour and he tells so many stories while on stage and that kind of thing so they realized he was not just a musician he was a storyteller and Mm -hmm. they would watch clips upon clips upon clips about this and they would kind of learn about him from that and they also mentioned in uh, Nina Simone's movie they had hours of recordings of her telling various stories about her life and the way that they could learn about what was most important in shaping her character was if she talked about it multiple times and at at what length. So the guy was saying if she talks about it in this year and then talks about it five years later and then talks about it ten years after that, then clearly it's something that is deep in her personality and that's something that, you know, deserves being included in the movie. So it's kind of interesting how much care goes into this. It's a lot of, let's see how these artists actually are rather than what we like to think they are kind of thing well it's all it's refreshing as well because Mm -hmm. i don't need to see the manufactured way these artists were and none of these artists were manufactured they were all very real and unique and that's why they were so popular and they're distinct voices yeah like i haven't heard nina simone but i'm i know from listening to people talk about this documentary and hearing other people talk about her, that she has a very distinct voice, and Sinatra, obviously, and Cobain, duh, and same with Amy Winehouse, and they all happen to have died, well, two died young, and the other two died old. I was going to say young, which doesn't make any sense, but (laughs) I don't know about the Kurt Cobain documentary, or the Nina Simone one, actually, but I thought the Sinatra... The Sinatra one definitely has people talking heads talking about him, since a lot of people around at that time aren't dead or (laughs) super old. But the Amy Winehouse one is specifically, like, there are talking heads, but it's mostly 
her friends and her family and her fiance talking about her. And from what I've heard is that that's dad and the fiance are not shown in the best light. And they were involved in the making of this movie. And they're kind of linked to enablers or like yes men surrounding her. And the one thing I've heard from it is that there's it covers where her when she wins like all of the Grammys and stuff for her album. And she's up on stage and she hears, I think it's Bob Dylan, or I can't remember who it is, that announced that she's won. And then her one of her friends says when they go backstage, she's like, this sucks because I'm not high. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. But I know Carolyn will watch all of these, all four of these documentaries back to back to back on <laughs> some work day. So, because she works for Netflix and this is what she gets to do. Oh, my goodness. If I could work for Netflix, I think that I would never leave my house, but I would be very happy. <laughs> You just need things, like, shipped into you? Yeah. But in terms of Amy, I hear everyone's very happy, and they think it's, well, happy, sad, melancholic. They're pleased with how the movie turned out. Everyone except her family. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I, if they're involved with in some way of not helping her, then yeah. it sucks to see that you're a shitty family member, but it's the ultimate you could have helped press. her. <laughs> yeah, and, like, they're gonna make money off of this because it's her estate so and they're the ones who control it so like i wouldn't feel too bad for them yeah like if they're upset be like you showed me in a horrible light and you did shitty things so yeah tough i'd be interested to see the kurt cobain one because i've heard it's really good and it's so like rare to have that footage considering it was in the 90s and people didn't record things all the time what's interesting about the kurt cobain one um i was reading somewhere they said that throughout, like, the editing style and everything, the the kind of stressed, stressful energy and the, you know, it's a little bit crazy and all of th- all of that they kind of portrayed not just through the clips and everything but also through the editing and they definitely make you feel the manic energy, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and, like, that's just good filmmaking. But it's interesting that instead of just, you know, doing a nice clean documentary, they decided to take that take on it too. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I don't need the Hollywood version of their life story i want to know what happened <laughs> there like why did they why did he kill himself obviously it can't be a happy ending because of what happened to him but i want to know why like people just don't do that without a reason whereas i think like if they did a biopic about him if it was like a hollywood biopic about him it might be sugar-coated and be like oh poor kurt cobain but like i want to know if it's self-inflicted in some way yeah it would be very very dramatized with a lot of nice still photos in the background, like, and then Kurt was no longer Kurt. able to help himself. S- like, photo scanning across the page of him, like, with a joint or something. I feel like that would would be what they do on those, like, true You should be things. a future director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you be interested in watching the director of Amy do something else instead of another documentary? Since he's made two critically acclaimed successful documentaries about one person who isn't so famous over here and another person is who is very famous in North America. Would you like to see him tackle fiction or change his style of documentary? I like his style of documentary because he, he tells the documentaries as if they were, you know, a nice, neatly told story. I don't know. I would like to see what he could do with fiction, but I don't know that I would be happy with the result necessarily. Because he's very, very good at telling stories that are already created, but I don't know how it would be if it was his own story. But I guess he, through these 
movies, he does kind of shape it and build it the way he wants to. So yeah, no, I would say it would be interesting to watch a fiction of his. It's not necessarily good, but interesting. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want him to try something else. I don't know if I... It would depend on the person he was doing it about. It's like, obviously, if it was somebody incredibly interesting, then I would find the movie interesting. It's all about, like, if he does it with somebody who is kind of boring, then I think the movie would fail. Yeah. So he can continually... If he just continually found people who were interesting and did it over and over, they would probably all be great. And the style is is interesting. But I would like to see him do something else, like tackle, like, a fiction as an actual director. Because I'm sure he's a filmmaker. He mm -hmm. knows how to work film techniques and stuff so i'd like to see what he could do with that stuff or if you like i don't know if he can write so i don't know it'd be interesting it'd be interesting to see him work with footage that isn't found footage because i feel like a lot of his time is probably spent in the editing suite and that kind of thing you can't necessarily storyboard out a story that you have limited footage for and i know there's a lot of footage and a lot of recordings and that kind of thing but to build a storyboard from nothing is very different than like seeing, okay, let's watch everything, see what we have, and then stick it together in a in a sensical way. Sensical is not a word, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but okay, but it works in that context. But I think... I have an idea. <laughs> what is your idea? Give him a superhero movie. Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> no, don't do that. Please stop taking all of these good indie directors and giving them superhero movies. The thing is, Please? he got so much publicity for Amy. And Amy Winehouse is like well-known like a lot more well-known over here compared to Santa but I don't know I feel like people you know might give him the opportunity to make one of those Hollywood movies or um, I guess not necessarily Hollywood but more fictional movie but the problem is if it's not amazing I don't know there might be just too much pressure and uh, it might not turn out great and then it'll be super in the spotlight and that would kind of suck <laughs> Yeah, but like I would like to see him take the chance. I watch. I would watch the movie he made. Oh, definitely. Because I think it would. I don't. I'd be in, interesting. I know this is a person who can craft a good story mm -hmm. from bits and pieces of a story that exists with what he can find, and then make it into something extremely captivating. So I'd be interested to see what he could do with complete control and be able to set it out. But maybe he works like maybe like most creative people, they work best with when they have limitations instead of when they're given like free reign. Check. Yeah, like, also I thought of, this is changing something completely, but how great would it be is if when Star Wars Episode Seven opens, everybody sits down and it's a black screen and George Lucas just walks up on the screen and he's like, I directed this movie, motherfuckers, and they're <laughs> stuck in the theater and they have to watch another George Lucas Star Wars. <laughs> and it was just a big ruse with JJ. How great would that be? I would oh, like that. People would lose their minds and it would be the best thing ever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that would be so great. It would be so great. Oh, man. He would just be like, walks out on the screen, he's just like, double middle fingers to all them, fuck you guys, I'm telling this story. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't um, get me started on episode seven. Carolyn, don't worry, Disney is making every single thing they have previously done into a franchise. They have Marvel to do all of the superhero movies. Yep. They're making all of their Disney animated films into live action movies. And they got Star Wars franchise gonna rule the world, like two movies every year. So Disney is just taking over the world. And all of these movies make over $100 million somehow. Oh my goodness. And then on the side, they make things like prom. And we, <laughs> we know how good that was. So They didn't wide release it, so. I, I also don't think they even made prom. I think it was someone else, but. <laughs> You're just blaming them? Yes, I am blaming them. They're not even considered a major studio. They're still one of the other ones. Really? 
well, you've taken film classes. You know how they teach you like it was MGM yeah. and Universal, and now it's like it's those ones are like well, MGM isn't around anymore, but or it is, but not really. And there's the one that folded, and there's still like the big old ones, but it's very much like Disney is the king of Hollywood right now. Yeah, every movie they put out seems to make a buttload of money. And the one that was, like, the worst performer for them was Pixar's Inside Out, and it made $90 million. Yeah, and got a ton of great press, and yep. Mm. But they were beaten by dinosaurs, goddammit. They were? So they're releasing their own dinosaur. Jurassic World is the third highest grossing movie ever. Oh, I thought you were saying the uh, Disney dinosaur movie that's coming out beat Inside Out, and I was like, how? Like <laughs> It might. It might. It, it looks a little land before timey, and my sister is all about that. She is she is way in for that movie. But it it's a Pixar movie, strange. so... strange. Yeah, but it's a Pixar movie, and they're, they did so well at Inside Out, I'm interested in seeing the movie. And we don't really know the story, except that people and dinosaurs are living together. That's very true. Carolyn, stop being so negative about Hollywood movies. <laughs> I'm sorry. You get, you, all of the indies are made for you. You get them. It's true. Like, proximity-wise, the movie theater for indie movies is closer to me than the, the Cineplex. So, really, it's not my fault. I just, you know, can't drive to every movie I ever want to go to. But I can walk. You get the While We're Youngs, and Megan gets the Jurassic Worlds. It's true. You just have to, you know, learn to accept it and realize that if you want to make movies, you'll have to sell your soul and make big-budget action movies at some point to make money. Or I could make a movie that's, like, as outlandish as Roar, and then get famous 40 years later. But you'll be dead. Please don't die. Yeah, but my kids will get famous off of it. It's all good. Oh. Wait, you're having children? Well, I, if I need someone to, you know, send my movie out to the press, so yes, just for that reason. <laughs> That's the first step, and then children? Yes. <laughs> Anything else, or shall we move on to your favorite movie of the year? Let's talk about the best movie. We have ever seen. Like, this movie puts Mad Max to shame. Like, oh boy. Did you just rank Mad Max as the best movie you've ever seen? It's like number two on my list, What's Fury number Road. One? I'm offended that you don't remember. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. What's number one? Children of Men. Mm. I love Children of Men. And Mad Max Fury Road is solid, like, number two. You haven't seen it, so you can't say anything. Woman. I haven't seen Children of Men either. Carolyn, I, am, I, I know what I'm going to eventually pick in the future. I don't even know what your favorite movie is, so... I don't either, so we're in the same boat on that one. <laughs> right. I'm not surprised. It's a decision, and there's just too many things to love. It's true. It's true. Oh, oh wait, no. The Hannah Montana movie. Sorry. Hannah Montana, the movie. <laughs> Carolyn, the wine is affecting you. Yeah. You're just getting kidding. more it's sassy. Actually, um, Jonas Brothers, uh, Burning Up concert tour video. That's my favorite movie. Carolyn, you're yeah. being so sassy. Oh, Ant-Man came out, hey? Yeah, Ant-Man came out. Whatever. Let's discuss this thrilling movie. So, the movie that we had to watch was 10,000 BC. Yeah, it was 10,000 BC. I just watched it yesterday. So, Carolyn, what is the IMDb synopsis, since it's not available on Netflix? Yes, we had to stream this gem. I bought this movie and watched it on DVD obviously well yes i I, I meant streamed from amazon yep that's what i did i paid real money to watch this movie yeah for sure <laughs> so anyway what's <laughs> what does imdb say about it first of all what's the imdb rating 5.1 out of 10 that's not too bad it 
is what not... did the users say about it like the meta score or the tomato score the tomato score is not on here but the meta score is 34 out of 100 so that's significantly worse and what is the plot synopsis? A prehistoric epic that follows a young mammoth hunter's journey through uncharted territory to secure the future of his tribe. That pretty much sums it up? Yeah, that describes it all. The names are weird in this movie, so... I didn't know their names by the end of the movie, The too. main guy is D apostrophe L, so Dele. Delay? Delay. I, th I think they called him Delay. Delay. And then he's got this, his friend, that Evelet. And then there's a tick tick, and nobody else is important. No, there's really. a that kid. Baku. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think before we talk about any scenes in this movie, can you tell me why they lived in a they lived in a snowy area, but all were sleeveless and their breath never showed? Because they were a very attractive and muscular group of people. <laughs> but they weren't getting cold. <laughs> And he slept outside while it snowed. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite part about this movie is that, thinking of a way to put this delicately, there was two white characters, and then... He's actually not white. He is. He is Italian and English. Well, he looked olive to me, so I thought I was hoping he might be like half Native American. <laughs> you know what? I thought, yeah, he looked olive and he chilled with a bunch of olive skinned people. And I was like, oh, they probably, you know, got a bunch of Native Americans and things. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Tick Tick? Yeah. Is played by Cliff Curtis, who is a famous actor, actor from Australia, but he's like from ab Aboriginal descent. Exactly. So he looks like, you know, what people should look like. Not a great white hope. That's basically my main problem with this movie. Yeah, well, what I found interesting is that, like, when he was with his own people, you were like, oh, okay, like, they're not making it, you know, this white man saves the day. But then he would literally stand in front of groups of people that kind of look like African tribesmen, and you were like, oh, Mike, you could not make it more blatant. Like, it was painful. Story of the blue-eyed child who is just a pretty white girl from England. <laughs> <laughs> Who's played by Camilla Bell as well. Yeah, like super white. And they don't even try to make her look. She's just like pale. They do kind of like she's not from that tribe. She's found. But yeah. it's like, come on. When everybody else in the movie is based off of ancient tribes, like obviously the people they meet uh, are based off of the Zulus. Yeah. And like the movie, to its credit, isn't racist. Like they're not. Well, everybody's kind of a one note character, but they're not. Like, it isn't white people oppressing them, and no. they're not... It's white man like, saves the day. It is. It's the great white hope, and the great... It's like the two people that fulfill the prophecies are the two white people in this movie, and the bad people are Egyptian, I think. Even though we never see the god. No, he's, he was a white dude. When, uh... I thought that was going to be his daddy. Yeah, well, no, at one point, the, the guy that they think is a god, his face sheet falls off and he, he's like an old white man when he gets killed yes. he's an old white man i thought he had leprosy that's what because he had the bandaged hand but it's never you never never explained why is he doing this i can understand like them revolting all of these slaves but it seems like when the like they were capturing slaves there was like five dudes capturing these people and they had like 30 people with them and it was like why aren't they just they have 30 people you could overwhelm five warriors especially after they eaten by giant dodo birds yeah, I found, okay, this movie was, it was Avatar, it was Dances with Wolves, 
it was all of those ones where the one guy, the, the, the great, great white, white hope. hope. Uh, <laughs> but okay, the white uh, man's going to save us all. It's true. I okay. What I found funny at the very beginning of the movie, they're talking about the four-legged demon, and then they're talking all about this four-legged <laughs> demon, whatever. And then they start hanging out with all these mammoths, and I'm like. Why are the mammoths the four-legged demon? For like a solid 20 minutes, I thought the mammoths were the four-legged demons. And I was like, they're not doing anything. They're just standing there. Like, why are they harassing these poor mammoths? They're just woolly mammoths. Yeah. Being all adorable. And, and it's kind of the same question. How did they think these people riding horses were four-legged demons? It's clearly a dude on a horse. <laughs> like, come on. I don't know. But... Like, it's a movie from 2008, so the CG is dated. And some of it's bad, especially the tiger. The tiger's real bad. Yeah. But some of it's okay. Like, it's not all bad. That like, whole... the further you get away is okay. The running scene with the mammoths, though, whenever they would show one person mm -hmm. running, the, the ground was flying by so quickly, and it was all weirdly colored, and, like, it looked very copy and paste. It was strange. Yep. And that the fact that all these biomes are located, like, a half a day walk from each other. It's like they walk... Like, down the mountain, which, like, mm -hmm. granted, you would lose all the snow, but right into a jungle, then into a desert. Yeah. Or into grasslands, into a desert. And it, it in the movie time, it seems like it takes, like, four days. My real question is, like, when they are in the desert and they find the river with the boats on it, and then <laughs> yeah, they're following them. Yeah, I was confused them. by this. Why did they not follow the river? Because <laughs> that's too long. They said that. So they decided to walk straight through the desert and get lost and then realize, oh, we should just follow the star that never moves. We'll probably go where we need to go. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It was just to make the movie longer is what it felt like there. And so they didn't walk into the camp. They could hide behind a hill. But you're, like, you're running out of water. Why not follow the water? Yeah, also, like... Okay, their first initial rescue mission. Worst rescue mission ever. They go with, <laughs> like, four people. There. One of them basically dies and then gets revived somehow. But one of them basically dies. Everyone gets recaptured. And then two guys that came with them got captured as well. And so you're like... So that was the worst. Oh yeah, his 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 like boss man who gets bitten in the who you assume gets eaten by the dodo birds and he's like passed out on the ground when he comes back and finds him and then he cauterizes his wound and, and then, then he like goes to look for food and he comes back and the dude's just up walking around. He's like, I thought you were going to die and he's like, No, I'm okay. Yeah, and he's like, Don't worry you about You see me. him limp briefly and then it's back to normal, you know. And that how that guy dies is like especially stupid. Yeah. Like it's just a bunch of stupid characters. And they are one-note characters, and I think that... I also didn't really know what was going on a lot of the time. I think it was because they were switching places so much, and, like, it was a lot of not a whole lot happening. Every time they would get to a new place, they would recruit new people, and then they would be like, oh, you just missed the bad guy. Surprise, surprise. And then, you know, they would keep going. And then in the end, I was like, who are all these weird people with their weird outfits? <laughs> and, like, are they building the pyramids? Because it kind of looked like they were, like... That, I think they were obviously but carolina i understood it completely you were just distracted by all the abs in the movie oh my goodness but there was also like was it kind of mystical i think so but like only half-assed mystical it wasn't completely mystical until the end everything else was like in the realm of possibility i don't understand like except the tiger was, like, was huge and like had a conscience well, two tires are big no it just it remembered him Right? Oh, yes, it was the I'm prophecy. sorry. It's the one, it's the all story. It's just, it's a stupid movie. It doesn't really, I was not Im invested in any way. I just, my main, I thought it would, the ending 
like I was like, oh, this could end in a cool way, and then nope. It's just like the old woman somehow breathes out, and it's the first cold breath you see in the entire movie, and it's snowing at this point where she is. Spoil. Well, we're gonna spoil everything. But Evelyn <laughs> dies because he doesn't. He doesn't choose to save her. He chooses to like overthrow this people who are like the slavers and she dies and he like goes away and then he makes co eye contact with the mammoths that were slaved and they freed that helped them escape and then the old lady at his camp breathes out and Evelyn is like saved somehow her breath goes into her mouth and she's like i'm alive and then it's big cheering and then the movie's over it like ends like immediately afterwards yeah i'll be i'll be honest like that that pissed me off i don't even remember Evelyn saying any words i know she said a few but like i did not care and no, she no, literally remember? just stands there looking he... stupid and, like, being useless. But she's pretty white girl. This is true, but pretty white girl that they try to, like, put dirt on her face and give her dreads. And I'm like, you're... Okay. And she talk... They all talk funny, but they can all talk to each other. Act... But they didn't actually explain that, which made sense. I thought it was just gonna be like, oh, they just understand each other's language? No, it's just this one dude. I really enjoyed at one point, though, they had a three-way translation going on. And I was like, okay, the scene is taking, like literally three times as long as it needs to because this guy translates to that guy who translates to that guy and then it goes back why isn't the guy who's translating the leader or, i feel right? like this would go a lot quicker also evelet does say things remember she's the trophy he wins at the beginning and then he gives her up and then she gets kidnapped and yeah. she's like you gave me up it's just not memorable and i just bleh grandma was so much cooler but that whole like they kept flipping back to grandma like a few times too many she was doing nothing it was like oh they're so cold, and then they flip back to Grandma, and Grandma's shivering, and then it's like, oh, they're so tired, and it flip out, flips back to Grandma, and she's tired, and, like, it was, wow. It's a bad movie. It's not very good. I liked at the end, though, when... When the credits rolled? It, well, yes. When the screen went <laughs> black, actually. Um, but <laughs> when they're saying thank you, and it's just a big bromance between the the guy with the apostrophe in his name and the... Dude, he hangs out with. I don't know any his other buddy. Names. Yeah, him and his buddy. I don't think you know the ever meet the leader of the Zulu tribe's name. I don't think that's ever. If it is said, it's said like once. But... Is it Nakudu by chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And when they say, when like after they say goodbye, even though they live like two day walk from each other, they never see each other again. Yes, we never saw our friends again, and it's like wh why? Also, the narrator is not a part of this movie in any way. He's not a character. No, and also the narrator, like, I expected narration at the beginning to set the story, but he kept coming back. Like, not mm -hmm. just the beginning and the end, he popped up in the middle, too, and I'm like, okay, thank you. We, they're walking through the desert, we get it. Also, it's like, it's like, I know you might be confused at this point, at this very simple plot, but I'm yeah. here to explain things for you. It's just, it's not, it's not very good. It's terrible, really. So, I blame Carolyn, because she picked it. Everybody <laughs> should the, remember that. The little kid. It was her doing did you find Which he one? looked like Jaden Smith? I actually thought it was Jaden Smith. I was like, this fucking Jaden Smith is in this movie. <laughs> it's not Jaden Smith, but he looks a lot like him. He looks so much like him. And then he had his little bromance with the, the other kid. The only two kids in the entire movie. Yeah, it was it was like, mm. oh, let's connect yeah, with actually, this one tribe because I'm basically you and you're basically me and he's basically him. And like, wow, look at this. Parallel mm -hmm. lives. Also, like... Some of the, most of the CG's pretty bad. It's some pretty terrible green screen. But that might just be because it's almost 10 years old at this point. So, like, CG movies don't age well, this particularly well. So, it might have looked good at the time, but 
It doesn't look good now. Oh it my looks goodness. pretty terrible. The Jaden Smith kid was 18 at the time. He looked so much younger. He did look younger. How old was Mr. White Teeth? <laughs> you mean the main character? He had the whitest teeth ever. And like, you know what? As the movie went on, he looked whiter and whiter and whiter. Like at the beginning... He kept shedding clothes to show off his great set of abs and pectoral muscles. Yeah. It was made in 2008, right? He was 22. And he hasn't done it. Nobody except for Cliff Curtis has really done anything since then. Yeah, I feel so bad because literally the first thing that comes up when you search him is known for 10,000 BC. And I'm like, oh, buddy. I'm sorry. You were 22 <laughs> and just got this good role, like this big Hollywood movie, and you were so excited. Yeah. And it turned out to be a career killer. Yeah. So far. And he's still pretty young anyway, so maybe he'll come back. But Carolyn, if you had to pick a favorite scene, what's your favorite scene? Oh, favorite scene. Since this is in your top five movies of all time. It's in my top three, actually. Um, (laughs) I think the Dodo bird scene, because that was the first scene where I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I thought I had a Did you think they were raptors? Well, I was like, okay, I watched this movie with a friend. And my friend was like, what is that? And I was like, dude, it's dinosaurs. Duh, it's dinosaurs. It's in 10,000 BC and there's mammoths and stuff. It was not dinosaurs. It was gigantic birds. I really wanted it to be dinosaurs. I was so excited for dinosaurs. I was like, I didn't know this movie had dinosaurs. I'm so in for dinosaurs. No, yeah. just fucking stupid birds. It was, oh my goodness, the birds, though. So I think that was my favorite scene because it was like, that was during the worst rescue attempt. And it was like, they were saving the people and then, <laughs> oh, the birds came and now no one's going to win. And then suddenly someone's dead and everyone else is captured. I'm like, well, that was that was stupid. And the birds, like, you lost because of the birds. You know, when he... Then they, they told him not to go save people today. They were going to do it later. Uh, and then he only went and saved his girlfriend. And nobody chastised him for it afterwards. Well, it's because they all got captured. Not the big boss man. Yeah, but he was he half dying. <laughs> half dying by a wound on his leg that was okay in a day. Yeah, seriously, though. I guess I have to pick a favorite scene. I don't want to, so can I just not? No, you got to. You know this was made from the director of Independence Day and the Day After Tomorrow? Oh, I know. But, like, he's made a bunch of crap. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't make good movies. He makes terrible movies. He also made 2012. Yeah, IMDb says if you like 10,000 BC, you'll like 2012. So that means I will never watch 2012. I guess my favorite scene is when Tick Tick died because he, like, beats the shit out of these three dudes. And he only not he kills two and obviously only knocks one out. And then walks by to pick up his, like, top of his spear guard thing and turns his back to the guy who he just punched in the face. And the guy stands up and stabs him in the back. And I'm like, you're being an idiot. You obviously know if that guy's still alive, he might still be conscious. You shouldn't just, like, walk over him and leave him armed with a machete or a sword. He also didn't get blatantly stabbed. I was like, oh, did he get stabbed or did it miss him? Like, it wasn't obvious enough. And I was like, oh, no, no way. Well, they no, didn't have I guess the, he did get stabbed. Oops. They didn't have the budget to make it look like it went through him, so it just went, like, under his armpit yep. on the other side. And you were, like, supposed to look stabbed. And then he dies. But nobody, you see blood, but nobody bleeds in this movie. Yep. They all just have great teeth. Well, they would have to give it a higher rating if people bled. <laughs> so I think... Uh, that's all we need to say about 10,000 BC, right, Absolutely. Dunks? What is the movie you're going to make us all watch next week? Oh, I have to pick. I thought Since it was it's your, your week. turn. No, I told you it's your week. Uh, Don't play this card on me, uh, woman. Uh, okay. I know you have lots of movies in that head of yours. I do. 
Okay, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but... Oh, one thing first? Yes. Nobody watched 10,000 BC ever. Why would you do it? Please don't do it. <laughs> yes. It's not even fun um, to watch with friends. True. This No, it's not. It's not. Like, my friend, like, got up in the middle and was like, can I go take my shower now? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. like, well... <laughs> no, yeah. please stay with me. <laughs> yeah, what's, the, it was, what's your movie, Carolyn? It was sad. Okay, this is on Canadian Netflix, so get your access ready. It's, you're going to think this is out of left field, but I've been wanting to watch it for a really long time, and I've actually heard it's good. So Every movie you pick is out of left field. This is true. This is another foreign film, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Carolyn! Okay, all the movies that I have left on my Netflix uh, watch list are foreign films because usually when I'm watching Netflix, I'm doing something else, but if it's got subtitles, then you can't look down. So those you could are... just, you know, want to share a movie with me, a movie that you love that I might not have seen. Yeah, but, like, I want to watch this one. See, if I make you watch it, it forces me to watch it, too. That's fair. Good point. Yeah. And it has almost five stars on Netflix, it looks like. Called The Lunchbox. What the hell? It is Indian, and... Oh, is it a Bollywood movie? Like, I don't think they sing and dance, if that's what you're asking. Dabba is all it says. There oh. is... Oh, it has the guy from Life is Pi. Life of... Life Life of... Life of Pi. And there's um, also someone from Homeland is in it. So it says, A young housewife and lonely widower begin an unlikely correspondence when Mumbai's eerily reliable lunchbox delivery service makes a mistake. So it's a rom-com, but I've heard it's funny. Well, I am interested to watch it, Carolyn. You pick these movies I've never heard of, and that is interesting. It's exciting because I don't know what I'm going to walk into or terrifying as well. You know what? See, I pick movies that neither of us have seen because then if it's terrible, it's not my fault. But if I've seen it and you hate it, well, then that's just awkward. So. Oh, you're just trying to keep our bond together. It's true. It's true. Okay, so next week or next time, next time, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be watching The Lunchbox and we'll probably have more things to talk about at the beginning. Since we started this podcast, instead of talking about things we watched, about Carolyn's opinion on Toronto and weather. It was a slow week, but there's the long weekend's coming up, so you know what that means? Netflix marathon. So I will update you on Bloodline next time. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> but you can follow me at James underscore Willicks, and you can follow Carolyn at her stupid fucking name. Yes, follow me at your stupid fucking name. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's cheese fan number one. Follow me at cheese fan number one, which is a much more exciting name than James's. Oh, but at least mine's my name. And mine is my passion. <laughs> Wait, I thought your passion was television and making things. Yes, making things out of milk and cheese curds, therefore cheese. <laughs> but yeah, thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're also available on iTunes under let's watch podcast and soundcloud under the same thing review comment do all those things we'll talk to you on the next one goodbye farewell